to invite you to just join me as we turn our attention to the word. And uh, let's just bow your heads as we pray. All right. Our Father in heaven, in this quiet moment, we, we turn our hearts and minds to you, knowing that we are here today only because of the way you've been working in our hearts. And so now, we, Father, we, we were blessed with the singing, we were blessed with the, the praying, the giving, and all the activities of worship so far. But now we seek to hear a word from you. Once again, I give you all that I am, all of my faculties. I willingly submit them to you and ask that you would just speak through me and, and to me as well. May as we all hear your words today, may we be blessed. May we be edified, but may we be transformed in the process. We thank you for Jesus and all that he has done and continue to do for us. May his name be praised. May he be lifted up through his words today. For we ask this in the name of Jesus. Let the church of the living God say, Amen. 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 I get a little bit more. Are you hearing me fine, church family? Are you hearing me fine, church family? All right, all right. Today, we begin a... Or we continue, I should say. We continue the journey of becoming more united as a people, but also becoming prepared to do serious work for Jesus. Amen? Amen. And I noticed that the church at Garland here have been so cooperative along the journey. I am in this with you. Are you hearing me? And when we come to church, it's not all about saying hallelujah, hi, praise the Lord, and going home. We have so much more involved in church than that. Church is not just about a worship service. Church is about people living lives together with God and each other to impact a world out there. Amen? That is what church is all about. So today we, we, we narrow our scope. And guess what? I, with all the activity, I, I left my sword somewhere. The preacher got to have his sword, so somebody got to find his sword right now. <laughs> All right, it's probably in my room. However, we're going to continue the journey in becoming more closer together and being impactful in our world. Today I entitled our presentation today, Little Companies, Big What? Big Impact. And the key thought is every member 
a maturing disciple maker. That is what church is about. It's about becoming more and more mature in our relationship with God and each other. And it's also reproducing our lives in the lives of others. That is what church is about. If you have ever been to California, I'm sure you, would, you will be aware of the redwood tree. Anyone? Ever heard or seen one? They are massive trees. Massive. You would think that a tree being so wide and a tree being so tall would require deep roots, amen, to hold it together. The amazing thing about the redwood tree is this, that even though it's so wide and so tall and so heavy, it has some of the most shallowest of roots you could find. Can you imagine that? So how can a tree with all that weight stand so tall against all the Pacific strong winds and never fall? The truth behind these redwood trees is the truth that Jesus has been teaching and preaching to his people. And that is this truth. That is this truth. In the redwood tree, watch this. Even though the roots are shallow, and some of them are even above ground. Can you imagine that? They are able to stand tall. They're able to stand tall because each tree needs the tree beside it. Are you with me? So this tree, with all of its roots, will connect its roots with the tree beside it, and to its right and to its left and in front and behind. And therefore, each root will hold up each root. Each tree, sorry. All right? My root is connected with yours, and together we hold each other up. And so when the tempest rages and the strong winds come against us, we survive because we are connected. Are you following me? The truth is many Many Christians today are living individual lives at the mercy of the enemy. And God did not create the human family to live like that. And the church today is getting more and more secular and more independent of each other. Someone got, has to stand up. Some church must choose to make a difference. And I hope and pray that it's our church. Amen. Are you with me? The Garland Seventh-day, Garland Faith Community Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I begin with this. God himself exists in little companies. Quiet. God himself exists in a little company. In fact, the Bible says in John 17, verse 21, in that chapter it states, when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he said that they also may what? Be one in? In us. Just like how we are one, he wanted them to be as one. Notice he uses the word us. 
You see that word? And he's saying uh, God is Father, Son, and what? Holy Spirit. And they are connected in oneness. They have their own community, so to speak. Are you with me? All right. In the book of Genesis, when the world was being created by God, the Bible said, let us, let us. God has a community. It's his family. But beyond that, he also has an extended family. He chose to create what? Angels. And then he chose to create human beings. So he has his extended family. So God lives in community. Are you with me? Like us, we have our family, but we should also have our what? Extended community. I love the name of this church. As elder, as our elder, elder Sam mentioned, one of the C's in our name is what? Community. We were made to reflect the Godhead. The God that lives in community, we also must live in community if we are going to thrive. Are you with me? And so that is our example of a little company right there where two or three are gathered. <laughs> God is the primary example of what it should look like when it comes to the church. In the Old Testament, what I hope to do today is to take you on a journey. A journey beginning with God, all the way down to our time, and to let you see what little companies are and the roots of little company. You find the roots of little company also in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God said, he said to the people, uh, uh, to Moses, let them make me a what? sanctuary that I may dwell among them. God is always, as we saw last week, he's always thirsting after intimacy with his people. He wants to be right there with us. He's not interested in superficial relationships. He wants to build deep-rooted relationships. That's what he's all about. And so you see there where he called them to make a sanctuary or a tabernacle so that he might dwell among them. But look at this. Do you remember the circumstances then? There were, there were so many, so many in the camp. Moses was trying to take care of all the affairs of all these people. And could he do it? No, he could not. So God told Moses, Brother Cruz, through Jethro, his son-in-law, that you have to fix it. You have to go back to my design. What is God's design? Here it is. In verse 21 of chapter 18 in Exodus, the Bible says, Moreover, thou shalt what? Thou shalt provide. Let me just pull it up here so I can read it here. The, the glare is hampering me there. But Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able what? Men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of 
hundreds and rulers of fifties and rulers of what? In other words, God took the camp and broke it down into little what? Come on, y'all. Into little companies. That's what he did. He, he was restructuring the way to, to make sure that he, the, the people would be able to foster maturity and multiplication. That's what he was about. The best way to mature in a church is not just to come for a worship service. That's a lie by the devil. God designed to mature as a Christian is to be a part of his structure. Sure enough, many churches are not into this. No wonder why we haven't won the world as yet. Are you with me? No wonder why our witness has become weak. Because we have lost sight of God's structure. God told Moses, don't be burdened by all this work. Break down the camp into little companies. And allow the little companies to be led by men who are able. And through that, through that structure, Moses, you will find that they will do a better job of taking care of themselves than you can take care of them. It was never God's design for a pastor to take care of many. It was God's design for the pastor to be working within his structure for the church to take care of itself. Break down the camp. This is what it would look like. You would see right there in the middle, you would see the tabernacle right in the middle. Do you see it? That's where they would go publicly to worship. So public worship was a part of their lives. They'll go to the camp for worship. But then, to the temple, sorry, for worship. But then, notice how they were structured around the tabernacle. They were structured into little companies. They would live life together in little groups around the temple. And they'll have two forms of worship. They'll have the temple worship and they'll have the house worship. They'll have a public worship and a private worship. And that's God's design. He was the one who told Moses, do you remember? Make it after my design. Isn't that what he said? It's his design. So many people want to tamper with God's design today, whether for the family or otherwise. And so many people refuse to live life with God's design. Friends, if we choose to follow what man says is good for us and omit what God says is good for us, we're on a losing battle. And I don't want to be on that losing battle. I want to win, amen? And you win when you follow God all the time. So friends, that's God's design. Public worship, private worship. Go to the temple, but then live life with others in small groups. That's his structure for the church family. All right. Let's move on to the New Testament. Jesus. You would think Jesus coming to this earth, he would be the primary example, correct? of what life should look like as a disciple. Yes, he has a perfect design. I want to tell you, friends, when you read the Bible, if it comes to the Sabbath, whatever doctrine it is in the, in the Bible, all you got to do is look to Jesus. 
If it comes to the Sabbath, ask Jesus, did you keep the Sabbath? Luke 4, verse 16, it was his custom. Ask Jesus, well, well, what about the Sabbath today? He'll tell you, the Sabbath hasn't changed. He'll tell you, the Sabbath was made for man. It was what? Made. Who made it? Jesus himself made it. Right? So therefore, if, can you see the sun today? Is the sun shining today? Was it something that was made? Oh, so the sun is still around. It never changed. Why would the Sabbath change when Jesus kept it on the seventh day? Always got to look at Jesus. You'll never go wrong. And if this is his design, if this is his design for how we should live life as disciples, we have to pay attention to it. Look at Jesus, how he did life when he was here on planet Earth. The Bible says in Luke, in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, then he appointed 12 that they might what? So Jesus came to this planet, and he wanted to set the example, and the very first thing he did was to do what? Have his little company. Jesus lived life with his own little company. He saw the need to do that. He saw the need to overcome sin. He saw the need to be a true, authentic uh, a Christian, if you want to say, or, or, or believer. He lived life with his own little company. If Jesus saw the need, how can we neglect it? Ah. If we make no effort to do this and to live life like this, we reap what we sow. And Jesus is not going to bend for any of us. It's his design. If we mess with this design, might as well we can tamper with his design for the family. Might as well we join the LGBT group. All right? But no, friends. No, 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 no. We don't tamper with God's design for his family, and we don't tamper with his design for his church family. This is his structure. In fact, he lived life privately with 12. He ate with them. He played with them. He worshiped with them. He ministered with them. Did all of this, these things, lived life with them. And when, he, when he had needs, he would go to them. When they had needs, they would come to him. What went on there in their little company was to enrich all of their lives. But also, Jesus not only lived life privately, he lived life with public worship. Correct? As his custom was, he went into the synagogue how often? Every Sabbath. When you look at his life, his example, you see public and private. And that's what he set forth for the structure for the church. But watch this. I'll come back to that. I want to go to the early church. Look at the early church. This is after the Holy Ghost power fell upon the people. Look at how, look at the secret to their success. The Bible says in Acts chapter 3, and day by day attending the what? You know, we, we attend the temple once a week. These people were serious people. They were in the temple how often? Every day. And breaking bread in there? 
In their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. These people lived life in their homes, small group, and in the church for public worship. Do you see that? You see it all through the book of Acts in chapter 5, verse 42. And every day, that term again, every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. It's always in the temple or in the house. Uh, Acts 20, verse 20, and I did not shrink, Paul said, from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you where? In public. And from what? So even, listen folk, even the apostles and, and, the, and that early church, they adopted God's design from of old and they incorporated it in their lives and they did not only show up to church on Sabbath and see each other the next Sabbath. Are you following me? In fact, they were at church daily and they were with each other embracing and helping each other through life. Can you imagine that, folk? What do you think? What do you think was the result from all of this? Anyone? What do you think? They increased? Wow, look at this. This is just amazing when we adopt God's structure. Look at what happened. Let me first deal with maturity. Because remember, growth is not just in terms of expansion of God's kingdom. But look at what happened to their lives. In chapter 2, we read some of this last Sabbath, and all that they believed were together, and had all things in what? In other words, do you see the maturity? I mean, they weren't, they weren't selfish anymore. They were open to share with each other. And sold their possession and goods and parted them to all men. And every man had a need. They were looking after every person within the church. No one had a need in that church. I want to think it's, it's not just financial need they're talking about here. No one had a need for companionship. No one had a need within that church who was struggling with some kind of mental issues. No one had a, a, a sickness, a, a need where they need healing. Are you following me? That church, they, they, they were so mature in how they deal with each other. I mean, it was just, it, something was happening. Now, and they continued daily on what? They were unified in the temple, in one accord, in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house. They did they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. This was a mature people. Even the ones outside the church respected them. Are you following me? The way they loved each other and took care of each other. They were mature. And I promise you, church family, the only way to get to that growth, that, that maturity, that is needed within the church is if we align ourselves with the structure that God has set forth for his people. Look at the kingdom growth. We begin in Acts chapter 1. They started with 120 people. 
you move to Acts chapter 2, 3,000 plus they had daily additions. Are you with me? From 120 to 3,000 and then more added daily. And from that, it went to 500 men, 5,000 men. We're not counting women and children. Are you following me? Do you see the exponential growth happening here? And then it went to the, the entire Jerusalem was filled with the message. From that, you don't hear anything else about addition anymore. It's all what? Multiplication. They rapidly multiplied. From addition to multiplication to the point at the end of the book of Acts, at the very end, it said myriads. Meaning they couldn't even count Sister Vivian. It was too numerous to count. Can you see the growth? They applied God's structure in the, in, the, in, in the church, in the early church, and things just start to happen. And when you consider the Garland Church and other churches, why aren't we as a church expanding the way these people did? Do you think God doesn't want to do the work? You think he doesn't want to finish this work so we can go home with him? He wants to. The fact is, the fact is something changed. Something happened in our history as a people that stunted the growth. And what happened? What changed in our world history that actually changed the growth rate of the church? If we had continued on this path, hmm, wow, Jesus, Jesus would have already been here. Um, the early church, for the first 300 years of early Christianity, first 300 years, people met in what? Homes until Constantine legalized Christianity and the assembly moved out of houses into what? Larger buildings, creating the current style of church we see today. Now watch me. Look at the enemy. If he sees that rapid growth taking place, he's going to try to change it. And sure enough, the thing that he attacked was the structure. If he could only change the structure, he could slow down the growth rate. And he could make Christians, rather than being out there winning souls, fight against each other. Are you with me? And that's exactly what he did. He started building big cathedrals and having the people moving from the house churches into these big cathedrals. So people want big church because they think big church is a solution. Big churches are not the solution. God's structure, his design, is the solution. And so the more and more we, we started live, stop living life together in homes and, and, and discipling each other and helping each other in small groups, and then we start to look to the, the, the big church as a success. Big churches are not a sign of success. Did Jesus have a big church? Big churches are not a sign of success. Money is not a sign of success in God's church. 
It's the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of people, loving each other, laying that foundation. That is true success. Amen. It's time for, for the church beginning here of Garland to get together and move into that direction. It might seem foolish to the outside, but it's God's design nonetheless. The moment the church moved from, from, from uh, God's design, things start to happen. But guess what? Have you ever heard of the Reformation period? All right, God moved upon the hearts of men like Martin Luther, Ulrich Zwingli, John Calvin, and so many others. He was targeting this process. He wanted a change. God wanted to go back to his original structure. And so he led through the lives of so many. And I want to share with you some history that happened. Uh, the Reformation restored the what? Theological truth and faith and the priesthood of all believers. Yes, it did. Justification by faith. We, we, are, we, we inherit all the work that Martin Luther put into this change. But failed in dealing with the what? Structures that had weakened the... So the Reformation dealt a severe blow to the Roman church at that time when it comes to their teaching regarding justification by faith and the priesthood of all believers. However, there's one part of the reform that wasn't completed. One part. And which part do you think that is? The structure. Listen to, listen to this. But through the ministry of who? John Wesley and others, believers began returning to the New Testament model of small groups. In other words, God led through these, these two men and others to start bringing back the true structure in, in our church. And sure enough, you find that in the Methodist church. These men led the charge in beginning the Methodist church, John Wesley and Charles Wesley. And I want to share with you, have you when you think about the, the, the name Methodist, do you know why they're Methodists? Anyone? They're Methodists because of their method. You, know, you, you ever heard of Baptists? They're Baptists because being, being baptized by immersion is significant. All right? To the Methodists, they're Methodists because of the method. All right? And listen to the method. Class meetings were small groups of what? 12 to 15 members of a Methodist society who met weekly with their class leaders. I call the class meeting the method of early Methodism because the vast majority of Methodists received, received faith in Christ within the community of their class. So in the Methodist class, Methodist church in its early beginnings, they had that small group. Are you with me? And they had the public worship. And God was leading this particular reform through these two men and others. And he was on the journey. But folk, 
Watch this. When you think of the Methodist Church, never forget our roots as a church, the Seventh-day Adventist roots. Do you know where you'll find most of our pioneers' history uh, came from in, church or in terms of where they went to church? Hmm. Ellen Harmon was born and reared in what? Gora, Maine, in a devout Christian home. Her father was a exhorter in the? And her Christian experience was nurtured in the Methodist class meetings. See, see, God, God needed to bring a reform back to the Christian church. He wanted more than just, just the declaration of, of justification by faith. He wanted more than that. He wanted the church to align itself back to the structure. And the Methodist church was leading that charge. And through the Methodist group came Sister White. A prophet of the Seventh-day Adventist church today. And watch this. Watch this. Sister White said this. She said the formation of small companies as a basis of Christian effort has been what? Presented to me by one who cannot care. To one who, 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 who knows the truth and live by the truth. He came to her and he said to her, if there is a large number in the church, let the members be formed into what? To work not only for the church members, but for? Is there a large group of people here? Our Garland Church? So what must we do? Ah. God was leading the charge through Sister White to bring back his structure within the church. And in our beginnings as a church, that's how we started. We did not start as a church with big churches. No, we did not. We started with what? Little confidence, small confidence. That's in our roots. And guess what happened to the Seventh-day Adventist church when it started with this structure? The same growth rate as you saw earlier in the book of Acts took place to the point where, to the point where the Seventh-day Baptist churches, they were before the Seventh-day Adventist church, the Seventh-day Baptist church. When they saw that the Seventh-day Adventist church passed them in terms of membership and was exploded. They could not believe it. Why the Seventh-day Adventist church was growing in such a rapid form. The greatest growth rate we have had as a church in the Seventh-day Adventist church, the largest growth rate is during the time when we had little companies. So what happened? Seventh-day Adventist church started to do what Constantine did. Started looking over the fence and they saw Baptist churches with big churches. And they said, hey, we want a big church too with a pastor. That's what they started doing. Give us a pastor to preach to us every Sabbath. And give us a big church. And the moment we started getting big churches and put a pastor over the big church, our growth rate did what? Plummet. And it will con 
continue to fall if we as a church do not stand up and say, listen, let's go back to God's design. I want to lead a people who are willing to do this. And I will not settle for less. Are you with me? Because I want to see so many people saved. I want to see so many people who are now struggling with depression and all kinds of things. I want to see them well taken care of in God's kingdom. It's not going to happen if we don't go back to this. It's biblical. It's, it's actually in our heritage as a church. And it will be here until Jesus comes back. Sister White, in many places, many places, speaking about little companies, she would say, she would say let, them meet the bread, let them meet the brethren and sisters in little companies for what? Prayer. We, when we meet together in our companies, it's a time of prayer. She also said, let them, let little companies, do you know that they, they prayed when they met from house to house in the Bible? A central part of what they did was to pray. They were praying together as a group of people. And guess what? God answered their prayer in such a powerful way. Jail cells began, prison began, began to open up. Are you with me? Because they were praying in their little companies. Ah, oh, my, my, my. Uh, let little companies come together, meet together to study the scriptures. They studied together whenever they met. Let the praise of God be upon their lips when you meet together in little companies to worship God. They worship God when they met. Let little companies go forth to do the work to which Christ appointed his disciples. Let them labor as what? Evangelists scattering our publications and talking of the truth to those they meet. Let them pray for the sick, ministering to their necessities, not with drugs, but with nature's what? Remedies. The medical missionary work went through these little companies. I mean, and teaching them how to regain health and avoid disease. Well, now, I love this, now. And this aligns with our vision here at the Garland Church. Well, now, here we are, little companies in different places, Getting ready for the what? Coming up for God. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you, God is so good, friends. I just wanted to lay the foundation today by scripture and by spirit of prophecy. That little companies is the way to go for this church. If we want to see the exponential growth in our maturity as a people and in the expansion of God's kingdom... This is what we must be doing. And so for the next two months, for the next two months, we are embarking in a process here at the Garland Church to establish little companies and to launch them by the end of September. Silence. Are you with God, God's plan? This is God's plan. So over the next two months, this is what we will be working on. Every Sabbath that I speak, this is what I'll be speaking on. 
We will meet together. We're going to study this evil. This is just an overview of the biblical and the spirit of prophecy evidence for why we should go this way. All right? So I share with you. You know, I like to, I like to share stories, right? And illustrations. But when I think about this, I remember being a part of a little company. I remember there's studying at Texas A&M University when I when I was invited by someone to attend a little company. And while I was there, during that time, my mind was in all different directions. It was. It wasn't focused on God. But I remember being a part of that little company, how the other students that were there, they would minister to me. They will listen to me. They will always be praying for me. And they came to my rescue so many times. I grew with them through that little company to the point where I ended up being baptized. Praise the Lord. And it's because of their ministry why I ended up in the baptismal pool. But not only that, it was through the little company that I sense my calling to be a pastor. Are you with me? It's because of the love and nurture from those people and how they loved me into the kingdom and how they kept me into the kingdom during that time. And God has done amazing things in my life and through my life. And I just want to say, that when we, when we do this as a church family, the same results of maturity, as I said before, that we, that we see in the book of Acts, we will enjoy. And as the time become more and more uh, um, debased in our world, as our world become more and more uh, against disciples of Christ. We are going to need each other more than ever. And the superficial individual relationships will not cut it. Are you with me? And so little companies are safe places where we can relate to one another. I hate to say it this way, but it is like it. Whatever goes on there stays there. You follow me? Nothing moves outside of that little company, and we grow together. If we have a need, right now there are many people within the church listening to me online, watching me here, who will never express a need. You know why? Because you don't trust who will hear your needs. You can be suffering with depression. You will never call a brother and tell them. You could be, you could be struggling with some kind of addiction. You will never do it. Because you don't know the other folks in the church. We got to change that, folks. 
that got to change. And the way to change it is to adopt God's strategy. All I'm asking today is this. Do you love God? Try it again. Do you love God? Do you know he has your best interests at heart? He really does. Are you willing to follow his design? Praise the Lord. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. bow our heads. Our Father, sure enough, this presentation was simply a presentation of your words, your own words. A presentation of your design. What you created to work through. However you choose to. So today as we, uh, as we ponder what we have heard. Father, I pray that if there's anything within our hearts that will block this church family from adopting your design, if there is pride within our hearts that will prevent us from coming together as a people, in love and in coming together as a people to share our lives with each other, if there's any pride that will prevent this from happening in our lives today, I ask in Jesus' name that you just remove it. Let us see the example of Jesus who in humility surrendered his own life, put aside any form of pride to be with men. Men who were filled with all kinds of craziness, but yet still, he chose to live life with them. May this be the motivator. May he be your example of why we should go this direction as a church. And we invite the Holy Spirit in our presence at this time to lead us every step of this journey until we realize exactly what the apostles lived through the time of Pentecost. And we do that so that we might, we, we're doing this, Father, so that we might reflect you and your character 
but also we do this so that we can see multiplication, exponential growth in our church, with the people from our community being blessed and being transformed so that you can come back soon. This is our prayer. Anoint us all. Forgive us of our sins. Wherever the needs are within our church family, meet every need. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Without, with all confidence, knowing that he will never fail. In Jesus' name, let the church of the living God say, Amen.